heal the free senior high schools. Our schools are deteriorating very fast. There is an upsurge of private senior high schools in this country because they are beginning to be answers to the fact that our free senior high schools are not providing what is supposed to provide. We plead with government for government to take the most pragmatic decision in the interest of education. We also call on the Ghana Education Service to immediately reinstate the headmistress of West Africa Senior High School and any other headmistress, headmistress or headmaster in similar situation. Thank you very much. If my national officers want to contribute, they are all school teachers. Uh, they are at liberty to make a contribution, please. Or we can take some questions from the media. Yeah. In the case of was incident. Yeah. Students who defaulted were asked to sleep on the floor. Were asked to sleep on the floor, yes. and we have evidence of that. Students that was the you see. I listened. To huh. Our morning show, yep. post mm-hmm. on our Yeah. If teacher motivation fee is not forthcoming, must the student be subjected to this torture? We need to investigate this. But I can assure you, I listened to that interview on Adum FM. The parent was exaggerating the situation. Let that parent present him or herself. Let us go to the school and authenticate this. I can assure you, if that be the case, it's an assault. And it violates the rules of Ghana Education Service. But why will a headmaster or a headmistress ask students to sleep on the floor just because they have not paid motivation? I have never heard this before. I have never heard this anywhere before. And when I also interrogated the charges leveled against the headmistress, this aspect was not part of the charges. So I'm even surprised here for the first time. But you know, the proverbial Ghanaian will have to spice his or her story for it to be accepted uh, by people. The case of a resources not It's been there from 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Always it's been talked from well, the action is taking itself. That's the situation we are seeing. But let me ask the question. Who should take action more? The parent or the teacher? The parent or the teacher. Can you cry more than the bereaved? The parents who are supposed to take action for government to respond are mobilizing themselves to make contribution towards the schools. The parents are levying themselves. And you see, I'm surprised because just carry out some media investigation. Almost every school in this country, parents are contributing. And we know it. 
Some school papers are contributing 500 Ghana cities. Some are paying 1,500. I know a minister whose child is in a school in Cape Coast and he pays the highest. We all know these things are good. And when they are paid, if you say the mode of collection is illegal, what about the mode of receiving? Parents contribute money, and when they present it to the school, the law says the school should make sure that every donation to the school should be receipted. That is the law. So the schools collect these monies into the school account, and it is recorded as such for the betterment of the school. So if monies were coming from government, if resources were adequately being paid for by government, why, why would we have the need for uh, parents to mobilize themselves to contribute money towards the welfare of the school? And now the monies that are being collected by parents themselves is far higher than the former PTA dues. Far, far higher than the former PTA dues. I have some national officers here who are parents whose children are students in the senior high school and they are contributors. I have some national officers here who are parents whose children are students in the senior high school and they are contributors. We're on our minds and informed our hopes when we entered the Fourth Republic. 33 years into the Fourth Republic, we must of course reflect on how much we have fulfilled what we set out to achieve with it. The Fourth Republic, it is important to remind ourselves, was born out of adversity, with the sweat, the tears, and blood of many Ghanaians. I ought to know. For my are truths and realities. And the government should ask itself, why have we arrived at this situation? It's because resources are not encouraging themselves to contribute monies towards the upkeep of the school. And why have we arrived at this situation? Schools have to pay electricity bills, monies that are not forthcoming by, from government. They have to pay water bills. And as we speak, we have numbers of, and a number of senior high schools that have been disconnected by ECG, those on postpaid. As for those on prepaid, of course, when your prepaid is consumed, the lights go off. And we have cases where schools have remained in darkness. We have cases where the heads of the schools had to send phone calls to well-to-do uh, uh, parents to contribute towards uh, the purchase of prepaid meters in the schools. That is number one. Running a school is not only feeding in the school. Recurrent expenditure such as repairs, broken tables, broken uh, decks, broken windows and doors, replacement of mosquito nets, the purchase of detergents in our washrooms and so on and so forth to ensure that the hygiene of the students are ensured are all expenses that the schools will have to undertake on a regular basis. And these contributions are money sometimes parents come together to contribute so that the schools uh, uh, get running. Now, when it comes to test and examination, the purchase of A4 sheets, the running of those A4 sheets by way of printing questions and answer sheets for students to write exams. There are schools in this country that write about two or three mock exams before the final exam is held. 
end of semester exams and when these resources are not forthcoming from government and the parents want their students to be well prepared before the exams the parents are encouraged to make contribution let us not worry whether the encouragement is coming from the head of school or from the parents the head of school exposes the problems to the parents and the parents are engineered to make contributions that is even what is keeping most of the schools running up to today and i think these heads of schools should be encouraged and congratulated for keeping the schools running in an atmosphere of uh, uh, lack of resources. In the case of West Africa Senior High School, it is parents themselves, through the ingenuity of the uh, per, uh, president of the PTE, that identified problems in the school and then they decided to levy themselves. The only problem for the investigation that I have carried is that it is the assistant headmaster who gave his Momo number to be the conduit through which the monies are paid. The investigation should rather go into what is the money collected used for. Is it used for the consumption of an individual or it is for a purpose that will enhance the education of the student? If it's for the purpose that will enhance the education of the student, it tells you that there is government supply deficit that created the vacuum for the need for this money to be collected to fill that deficit. So the Ghana Education Service, the Ministry of Education, and the government should look into itself, investigate properly, and see whether we are running the senior high schools the way they are supposed to be run. Why are we having upset of private schools in and around urban and peri-urban areas? Because parents want certainty. Parents want definite timetable for the school of their children. So they are sending some of their children to some of these private schools. So that they know that within three years, they get the certificates that they want and have, a peace, have peace of mind. So we have a problem in our senior high schools in this country. Yes, yeah, we are calling for the reinstatement of the headmistress of uh, uh, West Africa Secondary School. Because the problem is bigger than the incident that occurred in West Africa Senior High School. So, when you speak to the So that's uh, from uh, the Nagrat headquarters here in the capital, Accra. Now let's uh, go on to the phone lines and speak to the public relations officer of the GES, Cassandra Chum. I'm grateful to you for joining us here. Uh, the Nagrat is, is raising a lot of issues about how you've, you know, reacted to the development coming from the West Africa Senior High School. They are asking you to reinstate the headmistress. What's your response? Thank you, and um, good afternoon to your viewers and listeners as well. Um, that can only be done after we are done with the investigations, and then we know the outcome. The findings would come to us at the headquarters, and then where there is a need for us to get a GS Council approval, we will do so. Um, of course, when we do, after the investigations and it proves otherwise, or probably um, whatever that um, we initially establishes, it's not confirmed, then why not? We did things for um, 
some other schools that we interdicted that we, before we interdicted, we established a famous party against them for the allegations that we received. And so um, we have to finish with the investigation. Mm. But for us, um, let me establish that um, West Africa Senior High School headmistress was interdicted because of the allegations that we received concerning the levies that she was charging in the school. You know, we as Ghana Education Service do not have any problem with parents associations coming together to contribute money. What we have a problem with is the fact that if you, uh, when the monies are lit, like the monies are made compulsory, when the levies are made compulsory, that across board all of you should pay this amount of money, and if you do not pay, in the case of what they were paying um, hundreds of us for teacher motivation. Teacher motivation is being paid by government. It is part of the CSHS package. However, if parents want to even add on so that um, um, they get, the teachers get that extra motivation, that is fine. But if you make it compulsory that if you do not pay, then in the for senior high schools, they will not be, their, their clearance forms will not be fine. And so you are compelled to. That is what we, we have a problem with. Mm. Parents can contribute. But it shouldn't affect the students in any way. The students must enjoy the teaching and learning, whatever that uh, new or she is enjoying in the school, without any interference. What are the facts Apart from the teachers' uh, motivation, they are also paying um, specifically for parents' support um, fees. And if you do not pay, again, your clearance will not be signed, even if you finish with your last paper. And we all know back in the day, you need everything, and your clearance form must be signed. All departments must clear you before you can leave. So why should that be so? So let me put on record that we do not have any problem with parents coming together. West Africa, again, the initial investigation before she was interdicted. The money was going to the school account. The moment number that was put out there was, the, uh, was for the assistant head. If parents are putting together and um, collecting money, or want to uh, raise some funds to support the school, whatever, should you go through an assistant account, a Momo account, should you go through the school's account? We know that a number of schools are, a number of parents are helping in a number of schools. We have not said anything. In fact, the allegations that we received, it wasn't only for us. We had several complaints from other schools, too, but we realized that it was the parents that were contributing voluntarily. Mm. And it hasn't been mandatory, there wasn't any condition that if you do not pay, this and this would happen. But the case of us was different. And so for us to be able to have a clean investigation, we said then the head might be interdicted. Mm. We set aside, then we have the, 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 the investigation done. After, if he's exonerated, why not to be reinstated? So, so what it is is that your preliminary investigations prove to the fact that if you are not able to pay those levies, you are penalized for it. Our preliminary investigation yes, established that, yes, indeed, they were paying money. Yes, indeed, the money that the, the, the said they were paying teacher motivations and SHL support, whatever, yes, we established that as well. And again, we established that the money were going to the senior um, assistants of the school and then going through the school, ultimately to the school account. And yes, if they do not pay the amount of money, their procurement forms will not be signed. Mm. So that was the initial um, 
Okay, so it is not you didn't find that if you are, if you don't pay, a student is 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 made made to lie on the floor. You didn't find that. So maybe that would come up in the investigation. But what we established the fact mm. that um, you would not be cleared. Okay, but but, but but whatever is happening is because you, the managers of the schools, have created an avenue for the headmasters and headmistresses. Whatever is happening is because you, the managers of the schools, have created an avenue for the headmasters and headmistresses. Jubilee House with intensity and vigor, but today we lie on a stretcher. Before the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and Ghana has become, in the eyes of many, a case study of how not to do it. It is true that international climate has been hostile. But how many countries have had inflation? Mm. Back in the day, I mean, it's always been, our elders would tell you, parents have always, one way or the also, I mean, talked to us, forward to the ministry, you know. So um, we have been working towards whatever challenges that they are facing, the ones that we can, we also send to the ministry. Just to ensure that, I mean, we have, the schools running effectively and efficiently. Mm. But, but we all know that uh, the, the, the feeding challenges confronting some of the schools are, are, are real, and that's why parents are contributing to ensure that there's food for their children. Um, we, we've also heard of some schools that are not even with electricity at the moment because the ECG has disconnected part to them. Why all this? Yes, we have received reports of um, some schools having that challenge, and then um, I know the ministry has taken over, and then um, definitely would be resolved. How many schools are without power as we speak? I do not have the data. There are not many, just a few of them. I'll take the figures um, and then let you know in our next um, interview. Mm. So why have we not been able to overcome the challenge of, of, of schools not having enough food such that parents would have to come in here? Kindly come again. I didn't get you. Did I'm you talk about electricity or food? Yeah, well, you've, you've dealt with electricity that, you know, government mm -hmm. has taken over. It, it, yes, it, yes. What it means is that there has been an accumulation of debt, and that's why ECG has disconnected the power. So there's a problem. You've assured that government is working on it. I'm asking that mm -hmm. why have we not been able to uh, deal with the issue of feeding such that parents will now have to see that there's a challenge or there's a need for them to come in here to help? That's where, why we find ourselves in this situation, even in the first place. I know currently um, the schools have been supplied with um, good staff and all of that. So now I know that um, I have not personally heard of any particular school that is reporting of a feeding challenge. They raised the issue some time ago and quickly the ministry intervened. And so as I speak with you, that issue has been resolved. I mean, that is the most important thing. Mm. So if parents should withdraw their support now, are we sure the feeding for the student will be sufficient? Of course. And that is also not to say that parents should withdraw whatever support. I mean, if they've been doing it, so they can continue. Again, again, what we do not want is the fact that parents, uh, students, should be levied or parents, uh, um, students, to, uh, what we do not want is the fact that who should not be yes. Apart from the WAS headmistress, how many headmasters and headmistresses 
have also been interdicted on, on, on similar charges? Um, in the past or now? I mean now, as we speak. Oh, now the, uh, the cases or the complaints that we receive are initial investigations we do otherwise. That indeed, yes, they were taking money, but the parents were doing it voluntarily. It wasn't compulsory. Some of the schools, it was uh, the, any amount that you can even pay. Some were paying 500, others were paying uh, 50 cities, 100 cities. So based on your, your, your strength, your financial strength, so that we had to leave them. It was only once that we established that indeed we had actually leveraged them. It was compulsory and it was a must for all of them. And that the students will not pay there was a consequence. All right, uh, Cassandra, I'm, I'm grateful to you for joining us here on, on the Pulse on the Journey Channel. Uh, she speaks for the Ghana Education Service, Cassandra Chum and Puffo there. Uh, to our earlier story, um, Christianity has played a significant role in shaping the social fabric of the Ghanaian society. Churches have not only been centers of worship, but also hubs for community development and support. But despite the strong presence of Christianity and its emphasis on moral values, Ghana faces an enduring battle against corruption. Corruption has seeped into various facets of the Ghanaian society, including politics, business, and public services. From petty bribery to embezzlement of public funds, corruption manifests in multiple forms, hindering the nation's progress and development. This strong religious presence appears to contrast sharply with an unfortunate reality. The country continues to grapple with numerous corruption cases. Well, we'll begin our conversation on this. President Kufado has already uh, shared in this concern. He, was, he has been speaking at an event organized by the Full Gospel Men's Business Fellowship here in Accra, where he's been criticizing how uh, corruption is, you know, seemingly taking shape in our society. Uh, you've heard the president make this point. We've been joined via Zoom by the president of the Full Gospel Men's Fellowship International, Mr. Emmanuel Baba Mahama. And on phone is the General Secretary of the Christian Council of Ghana, Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Cyril Fayose. Um, uh, Adam Senanu of Saint Ghana uh, is also joining us via phone. Grateful to you, gentlemen. Um, now, has the leadership of the Christian community failed us? Let, let me start with you, uh, uh, Secretary to the Christian Council, Dr. Fayose. And uh, a good afternoon to your listeners and viewers. Um, I would say, no, the leadership of the Christian community or the religious community have uh, done their best to teach the populace about the tenets and values and morals of the Christian faith and other faiths as well. Um, the problem, however, is no matter how well you teach someone something, sometimes they can still be false in the implementation of whatever you have taught them. Mm. And maybe that is what we are we are seeing in our society here in Ghana. Maybe if the church were not to be present, it would have been worse. So okay. uh, I don't think the church has failed us at all. Over the years, mm. um, the church has played a very key role. And the fact that even the president said it, and what he said was informed by his 
Christian roots. Mm. Yeah, so the church is still doing its best, but sometimes maybe our best may not be good enough. Mm. People still choose to do the wrong thing. Even in the, garden, even in the Garden of Eden, mm. uh, when, when God gave the two in, inhabitants instructions, they still went against it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Sananu, you've been someone at the forefront of, of the fight against corruption. Do you agree with the assertion that, in fact, had the Christian religion not been around, maybe corruption would have been more higher than we see it in our society today? Well, um, yes, I, I agree with my senior brother's sentiments on that. However... I also think that as Christian leaders, and I consider myself to be one, uh, we have not done enough. Uh, and I say that because I think that we did not fully understand Jesus's model of mentoring, which we call discipleship, where you need to intentionally help people to convert Jesus's model of mentoring, which we call discipleship, where you need to intentionally help people to convert to in the first three in the first place. Um, does that first look at the 12 disciples Jesus had over the three-year period, effectively, daily helped them come out with a degree where it was a hands-on approach to ensuring don't go out that have failed. Uh, yes, we have thought the teaching has been important, but the model and approach hasn't delivered the results that will provide the quality of Christian that will impact the, the, the national space. Mm. So, so once we have this reality, um, what is the expectation? What more can the religion do, I mean Christianity, uh, to ensure that corruption uh, is seeing some reduction in, in our society? Well, if you're asking me, I mean, over the last decade or so with the work I've done, uh, we have two aspects. They are the law and legislative enforcement part. So do you have the laws and mechanisms in place? Are you enforcing them? Mm. Uh, they serve as deterrents. But there's also the behavior change part where we need to do a lot more education and a lot more promotion of values. When we look at the countries that are doing well, especially the Nordic countries of Finland, Norway, we identify that what they have done very well, is nurturing strong values. Now, I think that we've not done enough in terms of codifying the values that the Ghanaian stands for. Uh, for example, we talk about integrity, honesty, hard work, ensuring that these are part of the curricula and content, ensuring that in families and homes we are instilling this in the children. That's where the Norways and Finlands and what have you agree much better, because a child is being nurtured from childhood to understand that as a Norwegian or as a, a, a Finnish, I stand for hard work. Hard work is what we are. Integrity is what we are. Okay. We need to do um, a lot more uh, of that. Mr. pardon me. Let me hold you for a while and cross over to the Alesa Hotel now. We understand there is a development there. That's where the National uh, Council of the Elders of the New Patriotic Party is holding a special meeting with a uh, flag bearer aspirant of the party to discuss matters arising in the party. Let's cross over the to Alisa Hotel now to bring you a feed on what is happening there. So, Sami, you are at uh, Alisa. You've been there since morning. 
Uh, run us, give us an update of what's happening there now. My colleague Samuel Imbura of our political desk is the one, our man on the beat. He is at Alisa Hotel covering that special meeting for us. We understand that there is a, a, a new development at the place. And so Samuel Imbura is joining us now with update on what exactly is happening there. Samuel Imbura, um, I have him now. Sami, what exactly is happening at Alisa Hotel as we speak? So there's a pause. Um, Samuel Imbra will be joining us. So there's a pause. Um, Samuel Imbra will be joining us. Indicate what you want to do. Someone eye on what's happening. We'll put that on your screen for you to understand what's happening there. Uh, Samuel Imbra is my colleague at, uh, uh, you know, who is approval. So that is what is happening today. All the 10 aspirants have been invited. I saw Dr. Mahmoud Baumia. I also saw Kojo Poku, Dr. Konedwe Preko, and um, Dr. I mean, Mr. Kobine Japon. Most of them are here, with the exception of Alan. Uh, that is, is not here, but I understand he has sent uh, a delegation. But right behind me, these are party supporters of the MPP. They are not happy, and they have some concerns. Their concerns are quite clear. We know issues about decentralizing or centralizing this process uh, has become a topical issue, has become a very topical issue here uh, so far as the election is concerned. So uh, the group here say that they are getting information that the National Executive Council or the National Executive Committee and the National Council is considering um, decentralizing the process. Their concerns are that if you decentralize this process, it will not be fair. That's why they are here to mount pressure on the National Executive Committee and National Council not to consider uh, decentralizing the process. Mr. Obey is one of the leaders of the um, party supporters. Uh, are you, tell us, where exactly are you coming from? We are coming from various constituencies in, in Greater Accra specifically. And we are here to send a message. Are you a card bearing member? Are you an executive of the party? Yes, I, I am in Odododio. Yes, I am. I, I've been a, a police station chairman for, for, for almost 12 years in Odododio alone. And, and I've been working for the party extensively. So, uh, your mission here is exactly what? We are here, we have information that National Executive Committee is meeting today to discuss matters concerning the party and that of the superdelegates and we have information that they are trying to decentralize the process by way of doing it in where are you getting this your information no, from we, we have our sources of information and I, and I cannot disclose it so your sources told you that yes. they are going to consider decentralizing the yes. process and we are not in favor of that we are not in support of that and so we are here to to to, to send a message or if you like to appear that they should not consider that. I'm seeing all the 10 aspirants on this banner. Is it the case that you represent all the 10 aspirants or is it the case that you are supporting one candidate but riding um, under this to trumpet your consent? No, you, you can see as for the pictures, everybody is there. We are party people basically. We are not in support of any of the candidates. 
individuals may have their own support base. I, I'm not concerned about that. We are party people sending a message, basically. MPP people. So it isn't the case that you are supporting a particular aspirant? No. Me, myself, I have my own support. But as for the group, we, we are pushing the cause of MPP. I do know uh, the information I have is that Alan, one of the aspirants, has petitioned for it to be centralized. Are you sure you're not doing this on the back of this petition before the National Executive Committee? Well, any of the, the aspirants may, may have their concerns, and it is up to them. We as a group, we, we think that this is what should be, that, that they should not consider decentralizing the, the, the process. Do you think this last-minute process can change anything? Oh, sure. Already we have a problem as a party. Yes, we have a problem as a party. Our leaders, our leaders, they have shown open bias. Open bias. And this open secret. If you say open bias, what exactly do you no, mean? One of the aspirants. Who is that aspirant? No, I'm, I'm not here to mention anybody's name. But if you are Ghanaian and you, you have your ears on the ground, they have shown open bias for one of the aspirants. If you keep on doing things like this, people will, will think that you are doing things in favor of that. You've left it open. You let someone fill in the gap for you with the aspirant that you claim they are supporting. Why don't you boldly state it for them to know that this is the aspirant you are declaring your support no, for, no. in which we are not happy, so that they will stop? No, we are not here for that. What we are saying is that they should do this fairly, so that nobody, it will leave no doubt in the minds of anybody. Whoever wins is our, is our leader. They should do it properly, so that nobody will have issues with what they are doing. Are there other person concerns that you have? Other, other concerns? Other concerns? No, I have my own, I have my own problem with the superdelegate conference. I disagree totally with that. It is very deceiving, divisive. The, 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 the superdelegates. In fact, I, I don't see them to send a message, or if you like, to appear that they should not consider that. I'm seeing all the 10 aspirants on this banner. Is it the case that you represent all the 10 aspirants, or is it the case that you are supporting one candidate but riding um, under this to trumpet your consent? No, you, you can see, as for the pictures, everybody is there. We are party people, basically. We are not in support of any of the candidates. Individuals may have their own support base. I, I'm not concerned about that. We are party people sending a message, basically. MPP people. So it isn't the case that you are supporting a particular aspirant? No. Me, myself, I have my own support. But as for the group, we, we are pushing the cause of MPP. So I, I do know uh, the information I have is that Alan, one of the aspirants, has petitioned for it to be centralized. Are you sure you're not doing this on the back of this petition before the National Executive Committee? Well, any of the, the aspirants may, may have their concerns, and it is up to them. We as a group, we, we think that this is what should be, that, that they should not consider decentralizing the, the, the process. Do you think this last-minute process can change anything? Oh, sure. Already we have a problem as a party. Yes, we have a problem as a party. Our leaders, our leaders, they have shown open bias. Open bias. And this open secret. If you say open bias, what exactly do you no, mean? One of the aspirants. Who is that aspirant? No, I'm, I'm not here to mention anybody's name. But if you are Ghanaian and you, you have your ears on the ground, they have shown open bias for one of the aspirants. If you keep 
upon doing things like this, people would, would think that you are doing things in favor of that. You've left it open. You let someone fill in the gap for you with the aspirant that you claim they are supporting. Yeah. Why don't you boldly state it for them to know that this is the aspirant you are declaring your support no, for, no. in which we are not happy, so that they will stop? No, we are not here for that. What we are saying is that they should do this fairly so that nobody it will leave no doubt in the minds of anybody whoever wins is our is our leader they should do it properly so that nobody will have issues with what they are doing are there other person concerns that you have other other concerns no i have my own i have my own problem with the super delegate conference i disagree totally with that it is very deceiving divisive the, 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 the super delegates. In fact, I, I don't see the reason why about 6,000 people should see a number for 200,000 people to select. So your party's constitution is clear. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. so after the 2007 elections to elect your flag bearer, they, the constitution was revised, stating that if they are above five, then should hold the National Delegates Congress, special one, to trim the number to five. So at this moment, is it a case that you want them to change the constitution to suit your sure, interest? Sure, we need to change that as well. It is completely irrelevant. It is not important. If the number is 20, let them let them contest. Because we have 200,000 people taking their decision. And then we have about 6,000 people receiving uh, a number for them. So what happens if they, they mistakenly drop somebody who would have won the 200,000 people. So it makes no sense. Actually, it makes no sense. The 6,000 people can eliminate somebody who would have won with the 200,000 people. So why would you allow such a thing to happen in the first place? So that, that's Mr. Bain. He's one of the Agrif Party supporters that I've been speaking to. But you can see the placards that they are welding. They are saying that special delegates conference, no decentralization. They have pictures of all the 10 aspirants. Uh, another placard reads, if we put 6,500 people at one place, why not less than 900 people? No victimization, no intimidation. Super delegates uh, must be at one location. So, uh, Brace, these are the concerns of the party uh, supporters here. As you heard them, it's not the case that they are supporting or championing the course of one of the aspirants, but they think that decentralizing the process would compromise the situation on the ground or the election process. We also heard him saying that or raising concerns or allegations that the uh, party hierarchy is supporting a particular uh, aspirant or candidate in which they are not happy about. But that is the situation from the outside of Aliza Hotel. But inside, the meeting is underway. Most of the big wigs of the party have arrived. Uh, I saw the uh, chief of staff, uh, Madame Frida Parry, um, she came about 30 minutes ago, and the former executives of the party. So all those who, uh, chief of staff, uh, Madame Frida Parry, um, she came about 30 minutes ago, and the former executives of the party. So all those who, the issues that be tabled before the uh, court, we are still waiting uh, with our sources closer to find out proceedings from this um, meeting. But I must say that all the aspirants have been invited. Uh, it's only Alan Tremante that is not still around here, but um, the rest, I can say, I have seen them around. But Alan has a representative in this uh, meeting that is underway. Okay. All right, so that's uh, my colleague Samuel Mbura, who is at the Alisa Hotel covering this special meeting 
of the MPP for us. Now, let's return to our earlier conversation. Uh, um, Ms. Adam Senanu is still with me and Dr. Fayosi, they are all with me. So, uh, Ms. Adam Senanu, you are making a point uh, when, when I cut you off. If you could wrap up for me. That yes, for the when we look at the global data on anti-corruption, mm. uh, the countries that are doing well, one of the things that they've done is to nurture certain core values. Uh, that's where the Christian faith comes in: uh, values of honesty, integrity, hard work. Mm. Uh, and it's an it's an area that we need to do much better in this country. And I think that Christians and the Christian churches can play a very important role in that regard. Okay. All right. Um, uh, let me wrap with Dr. Fires. So Dr. Fires will say, so that's it. We need to help in building a society that, that has some principles, really. What do you think we can all do going forward? Okay, so I think we've lost Dr. Fayosi there, but grateful to you, gentlemen, for joining us this afternoon with your thoughts on this particular subject. Now to Parliament now, and majority in the House is accusing the INDC colleagues of seeking to cast Parliament in a bad light with their repeated uh, requests for quorum. Parliament was forced to adjourn sitting on Wednesday as a result of a failure to have the required quorum to do business. Speaking on the floor of the House MPP MP for Kaikwe Central, Patrick Boama stated that a minority were acting with mischief. When you look at the definition for committees and with the interpretation that the right honorable speaker has put on the meaning of committees, it includes select committees and standing committees, which I've referred to. And his interpretation is that once you are within the presence of parliament, once you are within the presence of parliament, you are deemed to be present within parliament, undertaking a business that we are so directed. So for a member who belongs to a committee that was sitting, with its sitting being televised live, to rush into the chamber to raise an issue of quorum for the whole country to think that this parliament is not a serious house. Smacks of mischief. Mr. Speaker, we are in this country together. We want to run the country as a civilized one. And we believe that members ought not to stray into other areas that will present or put the image of parliament in such a bad state, Mr. Speaker. This ought to be looked into, Mr. Speaker. People come in, sign and leave the chamber. They attend committee meetings. It's part of the work of parliament. A wrong signal ought not to be sent out to the general public, Mr. Speaker. Now, Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Asante joins us with details. Kweku, did the minority raise matters of quorum to day two? And, and how did, did they respond to the allegations against, against them? Um, so, so Kweku will be uh, joining us, but the minority have also been, been responding to this allegation from the majority side. Listen. Mr. Speaker, yesterday... The government of my motion before the House that we were not properly constituted, we couldn't have come to a correct decision 
because of the fact that we lacked the correct number for commencement. And indeed, the record was that we were 35. I am therefore scandalized to hear from my brother that I, I, I raised this matter, this constitutional procedural matters, but we own propriety as a result of mischief. The world is looking at us, my brother. And so, and so I am happy, I am happy if we want to gather to do business of parliament and conduct affairs of state. But the constitution provides that in doing so, the appropriate numbers of parliament must be properly constituted before that can be done. We didn't match that lower threshold yesterday. The votes and proceedings that you are waving, the green booklet, is no votes and proceedings of members who were present at commencement. At commencement. You can, you can, Mr. Speaker, let my brothers listen to these matters that border on the Constitution. Well, so Kweku Asante is our parliamentary affairs correspondent, and uh, he is joining us now. Kweku, uh, what has Parliament been, I mean, what have they been considering today? Is it the issue that we understand Roxen has been responding uh, to the issue of quorum there, but what else have they been, been putting forth today? Prince, it's been another slow day in Parliament. The House was able to do a number of business in, in terms of questions, but the key and weighty business that normally parliament would do having to do with bills, they could not do it. Mm. The NDC minority have forced another adjournment of the House, and just about an hour ago, parliament has adjourned without doing any critical business on the floor. And we've already heard from the first deputy speaker, Mr. Fosseu, so I've been speaking with him exclusively. He says that this parliament is becoming the worst parliament in the history mm. of the Republic, and that the backbenchers have taken control, and the leadership of both sides have lost control. He is really furious that the business of the House is not progressing. But you just said that Patrick Wama, who had concerns about what he says is the mischief of the mm. NDC MPs. Let's listen to the response from Roxanne Nelson, the family, for who is filmed by saying that that is not a claim. Well, we, we, we've heard that. You, you were talking about the first deputy speaker and what he told you. Right. So according to Joseph Osteruso, this parliament is not cooperating. He thought that given the close numbers on both sides, NDC and MPMPs will come together and work. But given the new stands that have been taken by the minority who keep insisting that there's no quorum forcing the House to adjourn sitting every now and then, he believes that this is becoming the worst parliament. But we know that the minority have already insisted that if the prosecu prosecution of Jachik Wilson does not stop, they're going to frustrate the government business in the House. I've also been speaking with um, Kwame Agoja, who says that that prosecution must end, else mm. cooperation will suffer in Parliament. So it's been a really terrible two weeks in Parliament. No real business has been done. Mm. Apart from a few questions and answers and statements, 
the weighted business parliament have to consider bills and other agent business have all now been left to rot and the house has agent today and given all that we are seeing it is expected that tomorrow will be the same because the majority side are not coming to the floor in their numbers minority guys are also not coming on their floor in their numbers but it's playing to the advantage because they've said that if the prosecution of the question does not stop mm. a number of these measures will still be taken uh, so yesterday there, there were about 44 or so MPs in the House. What was the number today? And, and why is the majority also not able to, uh, you know, calling a lot of their numbers? Where are they? Well, so in fact, you talk about about 40 MPs who were, who were in the House yesterday. Today, when the votes and proceedings was published today, there are about 201 MPs who are signed on the votes and proceedings to say that they were in the House yesterday. Oh. But the House did not even have quorum to do business yesterday. But how could they have been 201? The Deputy Speaker, Joseph Osewusu, says Parliament will have to answer to the people of Ghana why the, the House lacks quorum. But the next day you come to the floor and there are 201 MPs who have signed up. We can now listen to your interaction uh, with Joseph Osewusu. We are working with just being present in the chamber. This report will not be accepted as a correct reflection of the voting proceedings. Because at the time the proceedings were abated, in the chamber, there were less than 40 of us. How did it rise to the time being? I take note that it is on record that yesterday 201 members were present. How that happened when? Parliament truncated business because we didn't have a quorum to transact business is a matter which we may have to answer to to the uh, to the public. So, Kweku, what's the expectation uh, for tomorrow? What, what sort of businesses were supposed to have been considered today, and and what, which ones are, are to be considered tomorrow? Well, there are key bills coming in from government. For instance, today at the time the minority raised the issue of quorum, they were considering the Ghana UNESCO bill. It's one of the important bills that have been on the agenda of Parliament for such a long time. They've not been able to deal with it. There is also a bill from the Lands and Natural Resources Ministry on the agenda. There is a bill on the death penalty. There's a constitutional review amendment bill. There are a number of really key bills that government would have expected that they would be able to deal with it before Parliament adjourns. We know mm. that Parliament has just two weeks to go on break. Next week, they will focus on the, on the media budget review, and then the, the, the following week, will be the last week they would have to attend because they're going on break on the 10th of August. Okay. So all these bills, the expectation is that they'll be able to take them through. But both sides have not been able to bring in their numbers on the floor. In particular, when it comes to the minority, it is, it is, it is intentional because initially their decision was to boycott settings. They decided that they were not going to boycott anymore. They are going to bring some members to the floor, but only a minimal number so that they can raise matters of quorum to frustrate the doing of government business. So it is now up to the government side to bring in all their 138 MPs, but they've not been able to do so. Both yesterday and today have counted less than 50 NPP MPs on the floor, that which means that more than 80 of their colleagues are absent. And the majority leader himself is not around. His deputy, Alexander Finnemarken, is also not around. And so the leadership of the majority side is also only left with another prayer, Habib Idrisu and Lydia Al-Hassan. And they are facing a, a really a, a tough time being able to deal with the minority leadership on this time. But we've said, and we've reported it on a number of occasions, that the new strategy by the minority, a tough time being able to deal with the minority leadership on this time. 
But we've said, and we've reported it on a number of occasions, that the new strategy by the Masa. Send an odor if we are for. Maybe I'm going to say money bill. I'm going to say money bill. I'm going to say. Engineer, yeah, that's it. 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 Come on, celebrate engineer one more time. At this point, I want to acknowledge one more time our media partners, um, CTTV, CTFM, and all other affiliations. Um, Key government business will not be done, all to force the hands of government to drop the prosecution of Judge Equisi. Okay, grateful to you. Quick question to Edelman in Parliament. Now, um, we know she candidates yes. as compared to um, a change they experienced back in two, um, 2016. And um, Adenta is, like you said, unlike um, Ayenswano for um, um, Mark, there's nothing like um, I come from Adenta. It's, it's <laughs> literally um, a lot of sadness, you know, but there's that vibe or there's that notion that they want to not necessarily even get anything from me, but they want to see you. So if you look at what goes against candidates, you would be doing the developmental work, but if they're not seeing you in community engagements or interacting with people, be it monthly or quarterly, whatever arrangement you have, it works against you. So I could, um, in terms of road networks, so for mm. instance, the former MP did a lot of work when it came to roads, yet... He was still punished for one reason or other. The story is different at the Ayinswano constituency. The NDC currently holds the seat, but the NPP had since 2000 won the seat till it lost it in 2020. Um, unfortunately, some of you did not know uh, because, especially when I came back to multimedia, the business position wouldn't allow me to show my face. Okay. And so I would form a group like Creative Art for Change to advocate for MPP. And I won't show my face, and you see Sukri Safo fronted. In 2008, I worked with Jefferson yeah. on most of the trips with President Akufado. The popular one was the La, La Beach yeah. stage thing that happened. And Jefferson was the one covering that event, that fateful day. And so they've always been around, especially when it comes to President Akufado. I see. So you've always had the political gene in you. Yes. Entertainment critic, talent show judge, and music producer, who is now a deputy minister for tourism, arts, and culture, Mark Okreku Mante is in the race. Somehow, these days, uh, we don't get too comfortable thinking the way you're thinking. Mm. Yes, because I'm sure in 2020, if the, um, the MP at the time, I'm sure if somebody had, once you see, I had told him that he was going to lose, he would have said the same, oh, this is a culture for us. Yeah. There's no way the MPP will lose at Ayinshano. We were all surprised when we lost, but there's history to that. Mm. Uh, it's a perception that uh, our candidate was arrogant or is arrogant, and research showed that he was going to lose. Again, it was our best foot at the time. So we, we, we pushed them forward. Unfortunately, that happened. It is obvious he was becoming unpopular because we led 6,000 plus years ago. Yeah. It kept dwindling over time. And then the 6,000 plus became minus 241, which means that the candidate is the problem. So we just must change the candidate. And like you said, with a little effort in the constituency, I'm sure the NDC rep knows that 
he's just walking, taking it back. Walking the seat. Well, journalist and communications consultant Jefferson Saki wants to be the MPP's candidate in Ablekuma Central. Well, it couldn't have been any other constituency than a constituency that you've spent all your life, lived all your life. And that is the most important thing. Um, the perception that Ablikuma Central constituency is a swing seat is what I, I bet to differ in a way. Mm. Because I think um, after CS Crab, uh, we had Ukule Norte. Ukule Norte was able to, honorable, he was able to hold the seat on three consecutive elections, you know, until Tete Chai uh, took over from him. Uh, in the 20, 2008 elections, obviously, because I am very sure and confident that uh, if he had you know, contested again, I'm talking about Kulinote, perhaps he could have won because the, the, the party changed its candidature to Honorable Sabah. We lost that particular election. After that, Tete Chai won two consecutive elections. And then we had in the 2016 a strong wind of, wind of change that blew across the country. We had Honorable Ebenezer Nate holding the seat. Unfortunately, in the 2020 elections, we lost it. We lost it despite all the many you know, developmental agenda that government had set and the many, you know, infrastructural development that was going on in our, in our constituency. So, because I think the dynamics in our constituency is quite clear that if you have a candidate who is appealing to the people, um, a candidate who is able to break beyond the natural lovers of the new patriotic party into the NDC, you are able to get more marks. Because, you see, in 2016, we won with about 6,000 or so margin. Unfortunately, in the 2020 election, the gap was so closed with a margin of about 200. Yeah. That is to say that we had lost almost 5,000 and something votes between 2016 and 2020. And I think that it could be a, a lost almost 5,000 and something votes between 2016 and 2020. And I think that it could be a... a also ahead, we get a reaction to warning from the Bank of Ghana for savings and loans companies to take critical look at rising costs of interest rates and non-performing loans in their books. We have to diversify its funding sources to reduce the leverage and also, one, cut down interest costs. Otherwise, financial risk could crystallize. Also coming up, interest rates surged to nearly 30% as government recalls 31% oversubscription of treasury bills to the tune of 2.06 billion cities. My name is Daryl Kwao. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up. reaching out to the people, maybe not listening to the people in one way or the other. And so my belief is that if we have a candidate who is able to cross beyond the borders of the uh, new... Uh, uh, Heartburn, gas pain, flatulence and indigestion. Hey guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go. Mwah. Can you bring down the smiles more? <laughs> Gastro, effective relief from stomach discomfort. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been approved by the FDA. Oh, yeah. 
Ecobank salary account, oh, bro. See, with the Ecobank salary account, you will enjoy free life insurance, oh. free debit card, save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double your salary. A hundred seven, oh, and even more consolation rewards in the Ecobank double salary promo reloaded. Vimo, this Ecobank salary account sounds interesting. What do you think? Yeah, but maybe next time, Charlie, you know what? I'd go shine my shoe. Hey. Yo, myself, I'd go check my BP. We go up, never go down, and we stay flat. Open an Ecobank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the Ecobank double salary promo reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Under the supervision of the National Lottery Authority under the Caritas Lottery Platform. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface like this. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see F-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? 12 ambitious talents. 11 weeks of intense grooming. Seven talents have dropped off. Now, down to the final five. Who emerges the winner for the maiden edition of Joy Prime's Cues and Lyrics and goes home with their 20,000 cash prize, an all-expenses-paid trip to Dubai, a recording deal, and other amazing products from our sponsors, TM Music, Lovett, Kwabana Mufasa, Traegan, Limwell, Who Wears the Crown. Vote for your favorite to glory by short code star 711 star 60 hash. Join us on Saturday, July 22, 2023, 8 p.m at the Silicon Production House, Tessano, as we treat you to back-to-back performances and the crowning of the ultimate winner of cues and lyrics. It will be a night of great music with special performances from Superstar TZ, Mighty, and the newest sensation on the music scene, King Paluta. Come cheer your favorite to victory. Attendance is free. Guests must be seated by 7 p.m. Cues and lyrics is sponsored by Syntex Tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? At Dancer Travels and Ghana AIDS Commission, Cues and Lyrics, bring on the music, Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. Imagine a family without a home. Imagine a song without a voice. Imagine a church without prayers. Imagine a government without citizens. Imagine democracy 
without journalists. Imagine a world without the media. Life is full of issues and stories about people, communities, and governments. Stories that have to be told by well-trained journalists. That's why you can't imagine news without Joy News. Fifty thousand Ghanaians were pushed into poverty due to rising price of food and decreased inflation's uh, toll on poverty and food security. Reveals that as food prices continue to climb, satisfy their food preferences for an active and healthy life. Wages in the public sector. Now, if you look at the wages of the public sector, the highest-paid person in the public sector, 155 cities. So that is the uh, highest-paid wage in the public sector. The lowest-paid wage in the public sector is 418 cities. So that's, it's, it's around 80% of, uh, you know, so the highest paid person receives around 80% of the lowest paid uh, person in the, in the, in the public sector. The, different, the difference between the two is 33,437. So the difference between the highest paid and the lowest paid is 33,400. And 37. Now, um, the current inflation rate is 42.5%. What does that mean to you in terms of your salary? When you receive your salary, what impact does inflation have on it? Now, if you receive 500 cities at the end of the month, with the current inflation rate of 42.5, it lowers your value by 212.5 cities. So if you receive... 500, it means that in, in actual sense, you take home 287.5 cities because that is the inflation is taking away 212. If you receive 2,500 cities at the end of the month, inflation rate is taking away 1,062 cities, 50 pesos. 50 That's how much inflation is taking away from your salary. So, in effect, you take home 1,437 cities, 50 pesos. So with the highest earner who takes home 30,000 and over, inflation of 42.5% means that the person is losing 12,750 from the salary. So the person's actual money that he or she can use is 17,250. That's, that's how much uh, inflation is really, uh, uh, you know, uh, the total inflation is having on you. Uh, we, we have... Uh, so, 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 so that is what it, it is in terms of how much inflation is, is taking uh, from you. Now, let's link this to our wages and the professor of epidemiology and public health at the University of Cape, Cape Coast, Professor David Taidoku, is calling on employers to pay fair and decent wages to enhance the health of their employees. According to him, many employers in Ghana pay their workers as if their workers are magicians and have human beings who do not deserve decent wages in life. He was speaking at his inaugural lecture on the topic, uh, the, course of, the course of the courses, a society of the producer, uh, is the society, the producer of its own health and ill health. There's more in this report. 
at his inaugural lecture, Professor David Tay Doku analyzed the question, the causes of the causes, is society the producer of its own health and ill health? Professor Doku called on employers to ensure just and fair wages in order not to cripple the health of their employees. The employment must be fair and decent. People must work in decent, non-cohesive employment. And they must, be, they must earn fair wages. Sometimes employers pay people as if they are half human beings who do not deserve decent life. Yes, and then others are paid as if they are magicians who must multiply their income in order to survive. Yes, wages must be fair and must be able to provide decent living for earners. The professor of epidemiology and public health entreated government to ensure that the social interventions like the National Health Insurance Scheme put in place do not only exist in name but actually work to support the vulnerable in the Ghanaian society. Social protection, very important. Social protection, safety net, transport, transportation has massive pathway to health. When people, we are talking about some social intervention, mass law and all those things. They must be there, they must be effective, they must be equitable, they must look for those who are in need and help them to be able to come up. And when we go to national level, we should be able to hold society accountable. So we should be able to have a voice, fearless voice, voice that will promote fairness and equitable distribution. This is what we were chatting on a, one platform, my undergraduate uh, platform, and somebody said that. Does Health HMOG wrote? Yes, it does. It will take you to the consulting room and the rest is yours. <laughs> health insurance must work. Health insurance must protect the people. Vice Chancellor of the University of Cape Coast, Professor Johnson Nyakobuampon, read out some of the remarkable successes chalked by Professor David Teidoku. Professor Doku has substantial national and international exposure and networks. He serves as a standard expert examiner in biology and public health for universities both attend editorial positions with reputable journals. Professor Doku currently leads Ghana's team compelling evidence to inform advocacy for accelerating progress towards the attainment of health development goals. The College of Professors at the University initiated him into the team of four professors and aided him to continue with his exploit in research. Richard Kujunyakun for Joy News. So let's go on to the uh, Zoom now and speak to Professor Patrick Esuming, um, who is joining us from the University of Ghana. Uh, I'm grateful to you, Prof. Now, so... The World Bank is also looking at the, the, the impact of inflation on a household income. And you saw there that if I receive, say, 1,500, I'm losing more than 1,000 cities. Uh, if, I, if I receive 2,500, I'm losing more than 1,000 cities through infl inflation. How can households then really manage their affairs? What can we do? Good evening, and uh, good evening to viewers. So first of all, let me start by saying... Let me start by saying, can you hear me? Yes, clearly. Okay. So first of all, um, uh, thanks for 
having me. Yeah, so you introduced me as a professor. I have to say, maybe sure. you are a professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a doctor. So, uh, Dr. Patrick. Yes, so, so, yeah, I think uh, food inflation is a, is a big problem mm. because we know that uh, poor people spend a higher fraction of their, of their incomes on food. So when food prices are rising, the rate, has, the rate that we have been seeing in recent times is quite problematic, I think. But, you know, we, we need to understand the food, the inflation number that you read, the 42.5, mm -hmm. that is from uh, June 2022 to June 2023. Yeah. So it means that if your income has stayed the same, then from last year, then it means that that's how much your income has lost. It's lost almost half of the value. Yeah, and we know that in the recent period, even though inflation has been running away, you know wages have been kept up. So I think that that is the sense in which we see that the wages are being eroded away by the current bout of inflation that we are having. So mm. yeah, that largely that is expected because again, we like I said, we know that poor people spend a higher fraction of their incomes on food. So when food prices are rising, ordinarily you would think that. You know, many poor people should be net producers of food, so they would have benefited. But if you look at the pricing structure of food in this country, you know, when food prices are rising, it doesn't necessarily mean that the producers of food are the ones receiving the higher prices. Mm. Because of the pricing structure, you know, people are going to buy from the farm gate at lower prices, and then come and add transportation costs, and then the middle women and middlemen are the ones who tend to benefit a lot more. Mm. Mm. So, so, so really, uh, Professor Doku, as you heard in the report, is, is asking for, for employers to pay their employees well. In this instance, how do we deal with it? Because food prices are, are, are going up. We are not being paid much. How can households then manage? So I'm um, specifically about the, the need for employers to pay their employees well. Yeah, for sure. You have to understand that, I mean, as an economist, the way I look at it is that pay is related to productivity. Mm. So, I mean, your employer cannot be paying you over and above what you are bringing to, the value you are bringing to the company. Mm. So I think that, that one is very important. But, but Prof, we, we, are, we, are, we are in an economy where even when the, the, the employee is, is productive, because the salary is not tied into how productive you are, and if you are on, on one level of a salary, that, that's what you take until there is an increment of a sort. So, I mean, you know, in, in the private sector, mm. you know, people, your task is defined. So the productivity is embedded. Your task is defined. And mm. you notice that sometimes when people exceed their product expectation, then they get paid a bonus, for instance. So that is where the, the productivity and the pay is going hand in hand. I think in the public sector, though, sometimes it's a little bit different because the wages are negotiated. Even though the underlying driver should be productivity, sometimes it's, uh, it doesn't come out clearly. So sometimes you see, you know, especially there's been concerns about the productivity of the private sector. Of, of the public sector, we have to understand that you know we have to disaggregate you know which components of the private of the public sector people work. So obviously, some you know if we are working based on product paying based on productivity, you get a sense that some people in the public sector will probably should be receiving higher wages. 
But mm. I think the problem we tend to have is that usually the wages tend to increase across the board okay. without really focusing on the relative contribution and the productivity. Mm. So it's mm. good that, you know, obviously the, the workers have to be well, sufficiently well paid to be able to, you know, enjoy some good health, mm. very good nutrition, to be very productive. So it goes hand in hand. I mean, okay. economists, there are some okay. theories that say sometimes the productivity, the pay should precede the productivity mm. with the expectation that over time the worker will pay up. But we can't discuss the you can't discuss the pay and live out the productivity. It always has to go hand in hand. Okay. But, but how do we deal with food inflation, really, in, the, in this country? A country that is expected to, to grow more food, but we are being, you know, being battered by inflation here and there. How do we keep it under control? So there are several things across the whole chain, from the production chain to the distribution chain. There are problems all over. That requires substantial investment. If you start with the production chain, one of the reasons why food prices have increased, especially since last year, is the input prices have become very expensive. Start with fertilizer. I think uh, since sometime last year, government's uh, fertilizer subsidy program has been in problems. So it means that fertilizer prices have gone up, seedling prices have gone up, and then other input costs have gone up. So. That means that the, work, the farmers are not able to produce as much. So that's mm -hmm. one problem. Then we also have real problems with the distribution chain. So for some of the perishable ones, we don't have enough storage equipment and the storage at uh, closer to the farms. And then also we have problems with the distribution, the road infrastructure and the rail infrastructure linking the production units to the distribution units. So you see the component of the high prices we are seeing now has to do with Transport prices have gone up, and the fuel prices have gone up. And then a component has to do with the, you know, the actual cost of producing food that has gone up. Mm -hmm. So it means that you need investments across all these chains, starting from making sure that investing more creditably in uh, irrigation so that we can have more farming, more months of farming. That's there. Then also ensuring that the farmers are getting cheaper inputs and cheaper credit mm. to, you know, especially uh, fertilizer and then other things. Then also investing a lot more in the road infrastructure, linking the food, core food production regions to the, the consumption places. So we need to invest across the entire chain. But we know that this is not going to happen. Exactly. Even if you yeah. did that investment today, you know, the food prices will stay high for a while, unfortunately. Mm. Now, government in the last last year or so uh, decided to then be cutting food to, from from the farm gate to the market centres. Uh, is that you know a strategy that we should explore in a, in a wide perspective to see how we could reduce you know inflation, food inflation, or this is something that is not sustainable, and so we shouldn't look at that as a way of solving this, this food inflation issue? I, I don't see that, that strategy being sustainable. I mean, first of all, how, you, you know how many people live in Accra that, mm -hmm. and how many people can go to the Ministry of Agriculture and buy those foods? I think we, there are fundamental problems. So, I mean, that's just scratching uh, a big part of the surface of the problem. Okay. There are fundamental problems. So you know that 
there are problems with the distribution channel. So why don't you solve that particular problem? And they say you are, you are going to cut some from some places. First of all, you can't cut all the, you can't send food, every type of food stuff to that mm. place. And then you really don't want people, the whole pe people coming there. Then you have to think about what you are doing to private sector people who are investing in the food distribution chain. So I, I don't think that was, that's a, any strategy that we should be thinking about. So, so how, how do you solve the distribution challenge then? So, I mean, there, there are different things. I think the first thing that will help is if the road networks were better, that will help. Because one problem is that at the same time that sometimes we are struggling with food in the major urban centers, you go to the rural areas and then food is there rotten. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it may be willing to invest in, uh, you know, those large trucks that will help cut the food. And then okay. you, you solve the cost of sending the food from those places here. So I think, you know, we have to look more into the infrastructure. If the road is not sustainable and you want to think about real or other sources, mm -hmm. but those are all long-term. But clearly, in terms of the distribution, we have to start with that. Because if the roads are good, if people go to, you should go to some of the places where the food comes from. You mm -hmm. know, the road is so bad, when it rains, the car just stuck, and for days they can't they can come. And all of that will increase the cost of bringing the food to the urban places. So I think we should definitely look at those kind of investments. Okay. Prof, I'm grateful to you for joining us here on, on The Pulse. Uh, Dr. Patrick Suming is an economist uh, speaking to us there. Now, to other stories now. And there's tension brewing at NEMA in the Greater Accra region as chiefs and people of the community allege installation of a chief over them against their will. Address. Sorry, we'll bring that uh, report to you in our subsequent bulletins. But imagine living in a house you can only access the help uh, of a ladder. That is the situation of a 25-year-old Nana Yawishdom Ishan. But his situation only mirrors what residents of New Botiano have to endure as a result of perennial floods. Hanging homes caused by torrential rains, children killed by the flood, and bad roads are just some of the troubles the residents continue to endure anytime it rains. Maxwell Agbaba has more in our latest Floods of Trauma series. It is March 2023. Flood water has forced the collapse of a building here at New Botiano. Two children, 9 and 11 years, were swept away. They died. Their mother, Nanama, sits on the floor inconsolable after the disaster. <laughs> after the collapse of the building, Nanama relocated from New Botiano. She never wanted to have anything to do with this community again. I've met 18-year-old Ransford Ebenezer Chum. The two children were his friends. He says he was traumatized for days. little one was rescued by the two of them died. Their parents have not relocated. The flood water first caused the collapse of their building. Water swept away one of them 
not too far from Nanama's house is another house which is virtually hanging. Residents here tell me that a pregnant woman used to live um, in this house and she also used the ladder anytime she wants to get access to her home or step out to go to town. Nanakwami and Alex have been living here for the past two years. This is how they do it all the time. It's always a risky journey to get to their home and they tell me that it's terrifying when it starts raining and you always have to wait for the rain to subside before they come out. How long have you been staying here? I've here for The man who lives here, Nanaya Ishen, he says the only way to access his residence is with the help of a ladder which sits about 10 feet deep into the belly of the earth and massive erosion caused by continuous flooding in the new Botiano community has left roads impassable and structures on the verge of collapse. Nanayo Wisdom Eshen moved into the hanging house with his brother Alex Nanabingin after the owner was forced by the situation to relocate with his family. Nanayo says he has had many near-death experiences living in the house but says he does not have the means to rent another place. It's very, very dangerous. When it, the rain is falling hard one or heavy one, and you come and stand here, even here, you, you listen, the fall because there is very huge rain passes through here, so okay. it's very, very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why don't you move out of this place? So you don't have any other place? No, I don't have any other place. I'm willing to rent a house or do something else, so here is the choice I want to. Okay. Uh-huh. Without the ladder, I won't come out. I can't come out. Okay. Yeah. What if someone comes to move the ladder one day? Then I, I will stay here till when I get a new ladder. Mel's brother, Alex Nanabenin, says the flood is not only destroying their building, it is also destroying properties, roads, and claiming lives. We are scared anytime it rains, but we have no option. Anytime it rains, you will hear the earth trembling and shaking. They shouldn't wait until any catastrophe strikes before they decide to take action. They should deal with the problem now. Because of what I Recently, the torrential rains here killed two children, just some meters away from where we live. The flood water from here destroyed their structure, and city authorities were here, but they did not do anything about the situation. We are really suffering here. The entire community is suffering. The flood water from here goes all the way to Botiano Junction, SCC Junction, and around Atala. Here at the new Botiano taxi station, many of the drivers are worried about the state of the roads. 
They say the rains have caused deep gullies and them leaving the roads impassable. General Secretary of the Taxi Union, Emmanuel Adopreko, is appealing to Gaff Bent to fix the situation. No, we're going to do something because they're part of Accra. Mm-hmm. They even though at times to, when, when you ask them, they said uh, this place has well, not well, uh, well, in the government schedule that they are come to do the roads. But we are people are living here. Those who are here, let's make this they can even more than 5,000 The situation at New Botiano does not only pose a challenge to residents, but persons who use the Krakatakrani Highway, the flat water and seals from the community and other parts of the Wager Kasa Ridge are dumped on portions of the highway, resulting in bumper-to-bumper traffic. A resident, Eric Jano, says, until authorities deal with the problem from the source, residents of New Botiano and persons who use the Krakatakrani Highway will continue to endure the floods of trauma. Now to our earlier story where there's tension brewing at Nima in the greater Accra region as chiefs and people of the community alleged installation of a chief over them against their will. Addressing a media briefing earlier this morning, the chairman of the Council of Zongo Chiefs in Ayawaso East and West, Sariki Louis, says the installation should be rescinded to forestall imminent tension. On the 12th of July, 2023, we woke up to the news that one of the commission, also known as Ni Odokwam, the second, held Odokwam family, was in the process of installing one Abachina as a representative in Nima, and also as a chief of Nima. In the day, the third Abachina, Gimbala, and his cohorts were seen driving through some streets of Nima, shouting in their ears, and unfortunately to announce its installation by Robert Thompson, also known as Neil Oduyukwa, to surprise and champion of onlookers. Ladies and gentlemen, we the people of Nima are gravely concerned about the import of the actions of Robert Thompson and is probably consequence in the Nima community. We actually believe that this action of Robert Thompson also known as Neo Rebound II, seeks to investigate this crime in the Lima community in recent children of the land, of the land disputes in the 1940s. There has been long standing peace between the families and the Lima community. It therefore comes as a shock and surprise to all of us, that the new Odukwam family will choose to ignore and abandon this appeals, court consent, judgment, and seek to engage in an act that is a man that is aimed at destabilizing our community, the chief of Nima. We, the people of Nima, have lived with our chief and have organized our affairs together in peace and tranquility all these years. We are therefore sending a stern warning to the head of the Udoka family and uh, surrogates that, in, that in enough is enough. We will not entertain any insults and respect. Yes, 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 yes. We will not entertain 
any, any disrespect. And that, it does not lie with them to choose chiefs or leaders or neighbors. Be the man, the immediate investor of what they are reported to have done. Office, the rough. So for them, they want the right things to be done to ensure that an eminent tension is restored. This is still the pulse on the Journey Channel. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Stay with us. Twelve ambitious talents, eleven weeks of intense grooming. Seven talents have dropped off. Now down to the final five. Who emerges the winner for the maiden edition of Joy Prime's Cues and Lyrics and goes home with the twenty thousand cash prize, an all expenses paid trip to Dubai, a recording deal, and other amazing products from our sponsors: TM Music, Lovett, Kwabena Mufasa, Traeger, Limwell, Who Wears the Crown. Vote for your favorite to glory by short code star 711 star 60 hash. Join us on Saturday, July 22, 2023, 8 p.m. at the Silicon Production House, Tessalon, as we treat you to back-to-back performances and the crowning of the ultimate winner of cues and lyrics. It will be a night of great music with special performances from Superstar TZ, Mighty, and the newest sensation on the music scene, King Paluta. Come cheer your favorite to victory. Attendance is free. Guests must be seated by 7 p.m. Cues and Lyrics is sponsored by Syntex Tank, A Strong, A Tough, A Dancer Travels, and Ghana AIDS Commission. Cues and Lyrics, bring on the music. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. distinguished patronage of His Excellency, the Vice President of the Republic of Ghana, Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia, Ghana National College celebrates its 75th speech and prize-giving day under the theme, 75 years of holistic education, natural leaders for the 21st century. Date, July 22nd, 2023. Time, 8 a.m. Venue, Ghana National College, Cape Coast. The celebration will be climaxed with other landmark events as follows. July 16th, Regional Church Service. July 19th, Interhouse debate. July 20th, Nananum Inspire followed by a set down. July 21st, Football Gala, AGM, Flag Raising Ceremony and more. July 22nd, Speech and Prize Giving Day, Fundraising Dinner Dance. July 23rd, Thanksgiving Service, Swearing in New Executives, Omuto Fufu Gathering, Pool Party. Nananum, Enyansafo. Score HD, the new exciting football channel, is now available only on HD Plus and brings you football from around the world. Watch Sadio Mane and Daniel Kufitra in the top weekly match of the Bundesliga 1 and DFB Cup, Premier Liga, Copa de la Liga Profesional, see Ronaldo in the Saudi Pro League, as well as daily sports news every other hour. Also, get updated on Messi and Mbappe on PSG TV and many more. Feely Feely on HD Plus Channel 151. HD Plus, the Feely Feely Experience. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alex in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. 
Super Hits Radio. Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Super Hits Radio. Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy. DC says the current tax regime could force many businesses to adopt strategies to avoid paying taxes. I think as a country we need to... Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying Six technical universities have set out to lock knives and ladles in the quest for the bragging rights as the Big Chef Tertiary School 2023. We know we are the best and we are not shaken by anyone. Hey. Chinese, uh, we are all the way from Takwa, the western, to so Greater Accra. Oh no, come on. This test cannot come from anywhere and come and defeat us. Mm-hmm. We can prepare dishes that are going to see the judges all day. We are here to win. We are taking everything back to home. The battle line is drawn. Big Chef Tertiary shows this and every Sunday at 5 p.m. only on Joy Prime. Big Chef Tertiary, the kitchen has no boundaries. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. from the break. Now, an architect is calling on municipal and district assemblies to reject building plans that lack ventilated roofing. Hugh Yao Debra, a PhD architecture candidate at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, has identified the role of poorly constructed roofs in high energy consumption. He believes the move is critical for long-term energy usage in Ghana. It's higher indoor air temperature and then we are not able to solve this issue but depending on air conditioners and fans or mechanical devices, how should we put them together to solve the problem? But the problem is that these mechanical devices operate by electricity. And so using them does not solve the problem at stake. We should find a way of getting the heat that is indoor and makes us depend on the air conditioners out of the, of, the, of the way. Now the issue is that roofs in the tropics receive the most intense solar radiation and about 50-70% of this radiation is transferred into the indoor space to create the, the warmth that we are all running away from. We should be able to find kind of roofing sheet that we will use and then it will reflect the heat rather than bringing it indoors and then eventually going to depend on air conditioners. So in that sense, you have to go for the light colored roofs, light colored sheets. The color of your sheets determines to a large extent the amount of heat that is absorbed, reflected, or radiated. So the lighter the color, the, the higher the percentage of the visible solar radiation that is reflected so it doesn't get into the indoor space in the first place so color is the key pitch the angle with which you, 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 you design your roof you build your roof is 
the second most important factor that needs to be considered. The higher the pitch, the lesser the amount of heat that comes into the space. So when you have a flat roof, you are transferring so much heat indoors, and then it will affect your energy consumption. The roofing system that we have are not ventilated, and ventilating the roof takes away 50% of the heat that is transferred from the roof into the indoor space. Just ventilating the roof, providing what? Roof ventilation. Openings on the roof. We don't do it. People are saying that they, 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 they know that ventilating the roof will take this heat out, but they don't do it in practice. So the recommendation is that building regulation, when you want to get a building permit, you should make it part of the, 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 the distance, the deal. Roof is not ventilated. The, this assembly should not approve your drawings. And that's our package for you for today. There's more news on myjoyonline.com. My name is Samuel Brace. On behalf of the team, please do have a pleasant evening. Up next is uh, Business Live with Pius Kojo Baka. Hits 103.9 FM, the official mouthpiece of Tashui Institutions, brings you the Hits Tashui Show. Friday, 21st July, 2023, the Hits Tashui Show stops at the Ghana Communications Technology University. Day, 21st July, 2023, the Hits Tashui Show stops at the Ghana Communications Technology University. Tourism receipts, remittances from the diaspora, create jobs, and thus promote economic growth. The results and successes of the VITO project are remarkable. To date, 950 businesses across Ghana have benefited from financial support, tailored business coaching and networking, 1.35 million euro of private investment has been made, and 1.35 million euro uh, of direct grants have been dispersed to, dis uh, to businesses. So this combination of financial support combined with business coaching has enabled entrepreneurs to turn their ideas into reality. As a direct result, they have created and secured about 2,100 jobs. 21st July 2023 from 2 p.m. live on Hits 103.9 FM. There'll be loads of fun and entertainment as we deliberate on issues bothering students live on radio. With Manuel Owusu-Ansa on the Pyramid Show every Sunday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. on your favorite channel, Joy News Television.
Tonight on Business Live, government aims at using media budget to address inflation and reset the economy. Address structural weaknesses and build resilience in key areas, such as expenditure commitments that Prof mentioned today. We'll also look at areas clearance. We'll look at our debt management, financial stability, and the review of our statutory funds. Fitch Solutions says the city's performance for the rest of the year will depend on how fast Ghana will secure an agreement with its external creditors. Believe that the city's will remain somewhat choppy by historical standards as the performance of 